Yes, we are up there. Well, for those of you who weren't in the first session, two things. You will see our website there. You will see our Q&A button. You won't get a question and answer time uh, this, after, this morning. But you'll also see a heap of fossils up there. And they're there particularly for tonight. But we want you to ponder what on earth they mean, as well as bring your friends, your sceptics, your people who've got lots of questions. Uh, they're part of our fossil collection the Lord has enabled us to collect Ever since I bought dead skulls and showed a certain pastor who just stood up here and frightened the pants off him, uh, and, and, and that's probably about 0.1% of all the wonderful evidence of God's handiwork at creation and the flood we've been able to collect. The uh, other thing is I'm not trying to imitate the, uh, um, you know, the, the, the uh, guys who are on the screen that always wear these sort of thing or pretend I'm Threflo Dollar, I'd need a white suit for that. Um, basically, uh, to, to get it out of the road, I was putting a new species into our Jurassic Ark Museum, uh, collected it. Uh, so please scratch Sydenhammy Eye, um, Granty Eye, Ruby Eye off your list. Uh, I got some sap on my fingers and just happened to wipe my eye, and the eyes just flared up. The pain was unbelievable. Ended up in the emergency ward, and they said, You've got 25% burns on this eye and 10% on that eye. And I didn't even get sap, I just got off my fingers. And uh, anyway, they reckon it'll be three weeks before I look good again. Then again, I think that's a little bit of an underestimation. Uh, I'm waiting for the new body and the new heavens and the new earth before I look good again. Uh, so anyway, pray that the Lord might give me attention because I'm sidetracked at the moment with irritated eyes uh, quite significantly. All right, uh, you will see our DVDs up the back. We'll mention more about those. But first of all, a ministry promo. If you haven't been to our Aussie Creation Museum, it was a joy to have your school up there for several days this year. Uh, it's not too far away. We've subtitled it now, Time is Short, and we'll mention more of that during the day, particularly tonight. Uh, it's great to have schools coming for two or three day events up there. Really good. But we have an event coming up that we'd like you to think about coming to. All sorts of fascinating things up there. It suits all ages. Uh, and on September the 2nd, we have our annual open day. If you've got nothing committed here at church, it's a free day, free barbecue, a free tea, free coffee. It's a promotion so you can see some of the blessings the Lord has blessed us with. And I need you to pray too that all the new dinosaur stuff we've got will arrive as promised in the middle of August so it can actually be out on display. Uh, we've got the first package arriving this Thursday, um, which is 180 kilos just about of fossil crocodile. Um, so I pray that all of these things will arrive on time because there's lots of new things since last year. But I do have you need to pray for, par for Brother Dave over here because he got me into almost a lot of trouble. He gave me two deer skeletons this year. And uh, they were headless. And the only way I could fit them in the back of my van was to sit them up in the back. Um, <laughs> trouble was, I forgot they were there. And I pulled into the hardware store at Gympie to actually load up. And I said to the guy who came to my car, I said, just shove some quick setting some meat in the back, will you? And here's two skeletons sitting upright minus heads. And you can see him, should I grab my phone now and call the police? So thank you, Dave. That really gave us a fun day. Anyway, September the 2nd, Suits All Ages. Come and join us. Have a look at the materials up the back. If you haven't got our new Dinosaur DVD series, you will love them. If you haven't had a look at the, the books that are up there, some brand new ones. And don't forget, have a look at the fossils that are there. Ask yourself, how did they get there? Because you and I live in a world in which many people this morning are pondering, do we let Aunt Sally commit suicide by law? Do we legislate that people can actually do this? Because aren't there a lot of politicians who want this? Do we approve of Anna Palaszczuk and the education department wanting the kids to be able to talk about anything except Jesus Christ, which is forbidden? Do we want a country, well, just next week, isn't it? The Gay Pride Football League is playing their annual event. Is that what we want? Um, in fact, I was recently in a church in Tasmania and we'd hired the hall, but the advertising had, next week, we have a visiting speaker, an atheist, on Sunday morning. Yeah. Long ago, that church actually adopted evolution as their means by which God created. And all of these things are related to 
getting rid of God out of the picture and seeing things only man's way till in the end people do as they see fit. It's not new. It's happened before. The Bible talks about it happening many times in Israel. But one reason we want you to bring your friends along tonight is to get them to ponder. You see, the evidence condemns people. How? Where? Why? When? What? What is that? I had to smile. I was with a group of kids recently uh, that we just put in that photograph, and they said, I recognize that. It's a... Oh, and in the answer, which you'll hear tonight, is the evidence that God's word is true. All right. Pastor Lloyd asked me this morning if I would deal with that subject, skyscrapers to Stone Age. Oh, actually, that's the alternative name for this DVD, The Devolution of Man. Right, so you're going to get a version sort of 57A of uh, this talk. We'll take that where the Lord leads us. But uh, just pray as we look at God's word and we look at God's world, our eyes will be open to the truth because you and I live in a world where people see themselves doing that. I mean, I had my grandchildren um, call me up on, not, it's not Facebook, it's where you can actually see people. What do they call that? Skype, that's right, yeah, Skype, that's right. And we were talking to each other and I could see them and they could see me and they wanted to ask, what was it like when you were a kid, Grandpa? And I said, well, the milk was delivered by horse and cart. They just looked at me. And then the older one in the background said, boy, are you ever old. Uh, by the way, do you realise most kids don't even know milk comes from cows these days? They've got no experience. And, and what, what were the charges of things like? Well, we didn't have power, so we didn't have to worry about power bills. We had a kerosene lantern, and there was no water on. They are just aghast. How old are you, Grandpa? Oh, okay. But the whole of the Bible history is not that. The whole of the Bible history is like that, and we see the bottom bit as the real picture of history. We had our reading from Genesis. So let's start a little earlier. Genesis chapter 2, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Did you notice something? We didn't get here by accident. We are not related to monkeys, apes, gorillas, baboons or any of their hairy cousins. And then it says the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. Did you notice that? It is not the garden of Eden. It's actually the garden in Eden. Eden is a big place the garden is on the east side of it. I wonder what was further west. Interesting questions you can ask, aren't there? And he put the man whom he had formed in the garden. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden to dress it and to keep it. Okay, how are you at gardening? Do you like gardening? Uh, I guess you don't like it as easy as Adam and Eve did because there's some things that you and I have to face that they didn't, correct? And the whole of the Bible history actually is a downhill trend. I make no apologies. You and I need to understand this. If A, you're going to understand the scientists, B, you're going to understand the political commentators, C, you're going to make sense of what you read in the Courier Mail or listen to the ABC, um, and D, you're going to reach out to a world that's actually lost when it think it's on, thinks it's on its own way to finding its own heaven. Okay, notice I've got the world's oldest profession there is gardening. Contrary to what the police say, the oldest profession happens to be garden. And God told him to work in the garden and to care for it. So let's ask a couple of questions. Would Adam have needed weed killer? So would you have bought shares in DuPont chemicals? No. Um, would Adam have needed air conditioning? I mean, he's naked, isn't he? Oh, Yes, it is in the Bible. When God made the human body, it was wonderfully good. It's not the problem with the body that makes pornography wrong. I wonder what it is there. Would Adam have needed mosquito repellent? Just as well, eh, because fossil mosquitoes are this big. One suck, you dry out. Hmm. How about gloves? Oh, do you think he needed sunnies to deal with poisonous sap? No. You see, we need to start off with a reminder that everything God did was very good. The first garden was made by God and it was good. Everything in that... Do you think Adam had allergies? 
Now, and some of you have noticed the number of kids who've got allergies is on the increase, correct? And some of you are old enough like me to remember there was almost no kids with allergies. Now, do you notice the Bible talks about the world changing? Because if the world isn't good anymore, and it used to be good, the world has definitely changed. But it hasn't evolved. Now, many years ago, I came across an article in Nature, the world's oldest and most prestigious scientific magazine, um, 2002. Some of you weren't even born then, were you kids? That's a long time ago. And it was really good to read because it was by a scientist from Oxford and he was talking all about how the oldest record of anybody trying to label animals was in the Bible. It is. Historically, archaeologically, and even theologically, the first job that God gave Adam was gardening. The second was, bring the animals to you, Adam, and I want you to give them names. Do you realise what that teaches about Adam? No wonder he ends up in the world's most prestigious science magazine because he had to remember the name of the aardvark by the time he got to the zebra. <laughs> yep, I've mentioned it before. You guys can't do that, can you? I mean, aardvark, antelope, bear. Um, that's why your wife gives you a list when you go shopping, isn't it? Yeah. And then you can't remember which pocket you put it in. Ah, You see, Adam had a fabulous memory. And all of this before there was a woman on the scene. Yeah. Some of you have got it. Because in between naming the animals and the fall, God puts Adam and Eve together as a married couple. But you see, our whole progression is going from good to not so good. And you cannot avoid the importance of the fall. Now, it's just not popular out there. Um, I think I heard with you uh, a year ago that some missionary friends of mine working in Romania were employed by our so-called church school over there. And uh, they were getting wonderful remarks because they decided to start from Genesis to give the kids a big picture. And Genesis 1 is all about the clever things that God did. I mean, you can make a star. Isn't that fabulous? You can make plants and beautiful flowers. Isn't that wonderful? Everything God did was very good. Pat, pat on the back from the administrator. By the time they got to chapter 3 and they started to talk about sin and death and judgment and hell, they got a visit. The headmaster said, we don't want all this negativity, please. Find another job. Isn't that interesting? Church school. Everything's got to be positive. Have fun. Get big. Don't talk about the fact that really man has gone downhill from creation. By the time you get to Genesis chapter 3, man has sinned. Adam and Eve are expelled from the garden and they're given a job to work the ground. Now we could go through this verse by verse, but I'm just going to bring up certain verses at certain times to make some really important points. How many of you are farmers, by the way? Oh, just a few of you are farmers. How many of you kill every plant you put in the ground? Come on, honest time. Yeah. My wife, have you got your hand up? Yeah. All right. Okay, after the fall, did Adam now need weed killer? Come on, how about bindi eye killer? Yeah. Uh, in fact, you could have now started up the stock and share market and bought shares in DuPont. Because you see, the need for technology didn't exist until sin came onto the planet. He didn't need air conditioning. He didn't need an intelligent chemist to come up with mosquito repellent. He didn't need computer stuff because he remembered it all in there. Ah, how far your brains have fallen. Haven't you noticed when Noah made the ark, it never came with a whole list of instructions, just three. Ponder over what they were. By the time Adam looks at the world now and sin is affected and thorns are coming up, he definitely needs gloves. He definitely needs shoes. Even if he had not been given clothes by God, he still would have needed to invent them. Ever walk through a bramble bush? It's not very good. Hmm. Okay, Genesis 1 and 2, the world's made very good. Genesis 3, man sins, the world goes from good to not so good. 
Genesis 4, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, the first murder on the planet. Death really enters the world. Genesis 5 is a recount. Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness and after his image and called his name Seth. Now you and I are so programmed to see history like this. I mean, look, did Captain Cook have a spaceship? Did he send out drones to investigate the islands off the coast of Queensland? Um, no, he didn't have any of that. Um, what about Adam? You see, when Adam lived 130, my, my mother-in-law's getting to be 100 this year and she's losing her mind. But then again, I think I started losing mine a while ago too. You see, the reality is we've got a problem. Genesis 1 and 2, a very good world. Genesis 3, sin comes in. And in this world which sees us going from wooden ships to spaceships, we miss Genesis 5. In the beginning, God created Adam. He took dust and he made man in his image. The image of a holy, righteous, good, intelligent, reasonable, very, very, very smart God. Now sin has come in. Adam lived 130 years and he begat a son in his own what? And after his own image. Do you notice how important that is? Because most people treat people as if they're independent, autonomous and capable of reaching the heights. And the Bible says, sorry, that's how it started and it's never been like that since Adam sinned. Um, you know, I've got four children We've had 14 grandchildren as well as several dogs and the one thing I've reached a conclusion about is the Bible's absolutely accurate when Paul wrote, sin has corrupted the whole creation. It's easy to prove. Try and get your kids to learn to say yes please. You know how hard that is? And they always say no. And you never taught them that at all. Amazing. Do you realise the importance of that? That means every part of our being our body, our mind, our personality is now made in the image of Adam who is actually afflicted by what problem? Sin. Sin is now part of mankind. We are born like that. We have an inherent problem called sin and it cuts us off from who? There is the key to why we all, whether we're black, we're white, we're pink, we're tall, we're short, we're fat, no matter what language we speak, sin is our problem. Who's the solution? Yeah. You see, that's why you need to know things have been going that way and you need a saviour who can pick you up and take you higher. Abel was a shepherd. Remember we read it? I'm not going to be talking about sheep today except for the one shepherd. Ah. Ah. Uh, this is all about a physical sheep, isn't it? And Cain worked the soil. But by the time you get to the end of our reading today, now Cain, you are cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond, you will be in the earth. Did Cain have a green thumb? Question. If he bought soils, five-part plant mix, and he then went to Kmart and bought the best seedlings he could, tell me what would have happened when he put one in the other. They would have died. Now, you are getting this picture, aren't you? You see, most of us are trained to think A plus B equals C, and you can leave God out of the equation. Do you realise the Bible says God is the one who sustains everything? And if he says you will have a black thumb, then the plants will die no matter what grade fertiliser you use. You do have that picture, don't you? Because most people don't. Most of us, even us Christians, do not tend to think, hey, I need to pray over my garden. I need to pray that the Lord will bless. I mean, come on, when you meet for food and you're going to enjoy a fellowship lunch, doesn't somebody ask a blessing? Why do you think you do that? I mean, is there something wrong with the food? Yes. Is there something wrong with the cook? Definitely. <laughs> Particularly if it's me. And we need God's blessing. Oh, and in addition, do you give thanks? Yeah, you see, those two things are not the same. So if you just say, thank you, Lord, for this apple pie, amen. I had five pies given to me yesterday. 
They're from Dave's family. Oh, she's a real good pie maker. I'd go there any time. But everyone who eats their pies dies. (laughs) They're good pies. (laughs) You see, the reality is the history of the world is good to bad to worse. From then on, you find Cain is sentenced to be a restless wanderer and the ground will not yield to him. The highest quality carrot seeds would simply die. Hmm. Okay, have you noticed one thing about um, the distribution of the population in Australia? The people who live in cities tend to vote for socially progressive um, anti-Christian policies, whereas the farmers are much more conservative. Do you know why? The farmers know that it's just not up to them. I mean, they can put millions of dollars of fertiliser in and if there isn't a cloud in the sky, they've had it, correct? I am still grateful for one previous Labor Premier who actually is on record when they were bringing up all this stuff about bringing the climate back, fixing up the rain, and they said, listen, if we can seed the rain, we want millions of dollars to experiment with this. And he said, "Uh, yeah, I can follow that. I've only got one question. Where are you getting the clouds from? Yeah. You see, the farmer knows that it's not up to him. And we've got a foolish belief in the city that it's just up to us, and it isn't. God sentenced Cain to be a restless wanderer. But you notice the heading I've got, hunter-gatherer? As I said, when I'd finished unpacking here and my helpers thanked speed of them, I went to my little unit and I sat down exhausted because these eyes just drain me at the moment. And I turned on that hero of British television, David Attenborough. I didn't know he was going to be on, I just turned on there and I saw some baboons and gorillas. And I knew who'd show up next. <laughs> um, and part of it was, and you know, when these creatures stood upright and our skull became balanced and our brain could grow, we could finally become hunter-gatherers. I thought, you idiot. <laughs> God was there. And we started out as farmers. You see, he went on with the theory that once we mastered hunting and then we could have enough spare time to settle down and build a farm. And I saw it again. I turned on the telly this morning to see if there was any news. Oh, yeah, wasn't there some Arabs arrested for trying to blow up a plane? Isn't the world encouraging? Yeah, and then I turned on a preacher and I thought, man, I'm glad I'm going to this church this morning. That's terrible preaching. All right? And both of them were on about how God's word is not the real history of the planet. And both of them were on about how, hey, hunter-gatherers is how we started and turned into farmers. And the Bible said, no, we started as farmers. And we became hunter-gatherers because God cursed the ground. Oh, not for this group, but for that group. Haven't you ever noticed, I brought it up in my my, uh, climate change talk, that we have a God who said to the people of Israel, if you turn away from me, then I will change the weather. I will make it rain on that city and I will send a drought on that city. And we don't think that way. You know, I found that really hard to believe when I was a young man until I started to get a bigger picture of Australia. And when you're driving in the outback and all of a sudden you come across a wet line in the ground and on one side it's rain and on the other side it hasn't. God can do that. I used to think if it was raining at my house, it was raining everywhere. Now with satellites, you know that's not true, don't you? Amazing. You see, there's the picture we get into our heads from kindergarten onwards. You do realise why they're pushing so much to get kids forcibly into childcare, don't you? So they can prevent you giving them God's true picture. Yeah, legislation is being implemented so even the Christians will be forced to send their kids. You make sure you're ready for it so you've got your Christian daycare centres because it's going to be taken off you if you don't. And that's amazing. Ape men, cavemen, Stone Age, hunter-gatherers, farming, metal ages, cities, space age. And the real history's the opposite. You see Cain, right back in Genesis, actually he gets kicked out of the family circle. And he takes his wife and he moves into a land called Nod, wasn't it? Yeah, they already had a name for it. And there he builds a city. And he names it after his son. Yes, you can look it up. It's not a little village. This is a city. Yet the word's right. It's a decent-sized place. Hmm. I wonder how he earned his living. 
You see, hunter-gatherer, or not just hunter-gatherer, he's a city-builder now. You know, it's quite amazing. Uh, Have you ever pondered what happens when you move from England in the 1600s because of persecution? You're a Christian and you go to America where there are no cities? What do you do? I'll tell you what you do. You live in a cave and then you build a wooden house. And then finally when you've had enough time, guess what you do? You put a wall around it. Oh, haven't you ever figured out that when they left England and they went to America, they started to get taller, better food? I mean, the winters in England were miserable in the 1600s. Better weather, better climate, and they started to get taller. But you know what happened? They still built their houses with short doors because most probably in England they did it originally for the same reason. Uh, I, I checked it out. You see, go to the old houses in America, they've got small doors. And when you find out why they got small doors, the answer, that's so the Indians would have to lean down and hit them on the head. Oh, why am I telling this? You see, Cain City didn't have a wall. Tell me what wasn't there. In the world that God made, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve had at least seven children, read Genesis 5, and one of them died. Okay, so we've now got Adam and Eve. And the Jewish legend is since they lived for 900 years, they had hundreds of kids. No television, see? Lots of kids. And away they went and Cain kills his brother. Cain gets kicked out. Oh, he is worried a little bit about somebody who might come and kill him because he already knows the truth. The wages of sin is death. He knows that. But yet he doesn't put a wall around his city. Amazing. Do you think he's worried about a wall? No. None of those things existed yet. What did hunter-gatherers need to invent? Come on, you can't grow food. Do you need a hoe? But you need something to kill an animal, correct? Yep, I'm pretty sure even though God did not authorise us to eat meat and that before Noah's flood, these guys were not caring what God wanted. So if you're going to be a hunter-gatherer, you need to invent a few weapons. Cain knew his wife. And she conceived and she bare Enoch and he built a city and he called the name of the city after the name of his son. So a couple of years have gone past since he gets booted out. And Zillah, oh yes, he has a few wives too. She also bore Tubal Cain, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron and the sister of Tubal Cain was Neymar. Neymar means beautiful. Wow. That meant, by the way, in order to call her beautiful, some of the other ladies were already not looking so good. Oh, you never think about these things, do you? You see, good to bad to worse to ugly. Isn't that the way it goes? Look at me. Ah, uh, Did you catch the important point? Adam and Eve are made absolutely naked with no need for technology. Now Cain is on the run. He builds a city and he says, God, you've got to mark me some way because otherwise they'll come and they'll kill me. He deserved to be killed. The wages of sin is death. By the time we go a bit further and everyone is multiplying and filling the earth, he's got relatives who are saying, why are we putting up with Cain? Why don't we attack him? So Cain and his offspring are the first to develop what you and I would call metal technology. But it's not for our good. Largely, it's for weaponry. Uh, You want to know how smart these guys are? Ever tried to make a metal alloy? Because bronze and brass are metal alloys. And you can't just say, oh, throw a bit of tin and lead together, throw a bit of tin and iron, throw a bit of copper and whatever. You can't just do that because the percentages change the properties. And you can't just say, well, heat it up a bit. Get a a, a thing and blow the fire till it gets up to 800 degrees. You can't do that. You have to have it at a set temperature and you have to cool it down for a set time. So these guys could measure time and they could measure temperature. Wow. But then again, Adam could name every animal in the garden in less time than between the two coffee breaks. Agreed? Yeah. These guys are smart. If you don't believe me, go up to Mount Cutha. If it wasn't a national park, we could mine it for the copper that's in it. And go and mine yourself some copper and there's a bit of gold there too. That'll pay you wages. And in reality, come back and make yourself a brass trumpet and then blow your own trumpet. (laughs) You'd be entitled to because... I don't know anybody in this building, myself included, who could do that. Oh yes, we might have university educations, but this requires real intelligence to start from scratch. 
What do you think Keynes, the Senate's had in the way of technology? Try weapons. Because Lamech in the next generation says, Cain killed this. I've killed a man. Yeah, the technology of his father and his brothers. Hmm. By the time you get to Noah, God told Noah, build an ark. 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, 30 cubits high. And that was the sum total of instructions. Oh, sorry, one window, one door. Go for it. How would you go? You realise by the time we go from Adam through Noah, morally man is on the decline. Only Noah is righteous in God's sight. He's not 100% perfect because it said Noah found grace in God's eyes and you only need grace when there's things you've done that need to be forgiven. That's what Noah, he wasn't perfect. He was perfect in his generation compared to everybody else. Uh, But Noah was obviously also smart. Noah is living a thousand years after the first metal age. Yeah, I know I deliberately said that because you and I are told we went from stone age to metal age to the present. And the Aborigines have been stuck in the stone age for 60,000 years now, according to the reports two weeks ago. And I saw an Aborigine on the television the other day saying, we have the world's oldest history for any tribe. Do you realise what that just did? Cut him off from Noah. And through Noah, the Aborigines are related to Adam, and through Adam, they have a problem called sin, by which they need a saviour called Jesus. So this history is absolutely vital in evangelism. And we haven't even got to Genesis 12 yet, where many of the colleges start preaching the gospel from, because Abraham is there. You do that, you have no hope to offer to Aborigines at all. No hope to the Chinese, no hope to the Babylonians or anybody else, because it all starts with Noah, who is the one family who survived. Oh, you do know about Noah, don't you? His father was called? Not Jacob, no. No free DVD for that. Think carefully. Uh, you see, Noah's grandfather was Methuselah. I'll let you ponder what his dad was called. But they both died in the year the flood judgment came. And Noah was a righteous man compared to everybody else. But it says Noah's father had other sons and daughters, so there were at least five in Noah's family. How many got on the ark? Just Noah. Are you alone in your family as a believer? Noah was. Noah was. We never think of it that way. Not even the people in his family listened to what Noah had to preach. How long after the first metal age did Noah live? About a thousand years. How long after the metal age that you remember in your tribal history are you alive? My family a thousand years ago were running around Scotland bashing each other with metal wands. Isn't that what they were doing? Yeah, they were. What were your ancestors doing a thousand years ago? Hmm. How do we know all this? Because we have witnesses who were there a thousand years ago, correct? I can trace the first John Mackay in history. I can take you to the cave where he slept in one night, then he crawled up the the cliff face, followed by his followers, and took our family castle back from those wretched Vikings. Serve them right. Got them all in their sleep. Hey, don't we make heroes out of that which is actually horrible? Hmm. Okay, um, you realise the metal age you and I think about is not the first one? Because the first metal age is a thousand years before Noah. Noah's technology would have been superb compared to yours and mine. So when you see pictures of this guy in a primitive caveman suit trying his best with a wooden mallet to make an ark, forget about it. By the time you get to Genesis 5 even, We have writing. So don't be surprised Adam's writing ends up with Noah because there's only Methuselah between the two of them. And Noah had something to read uh, while the flood's going. And Noah also writes his history. You do realise why we can write, don't you? Because God could write. And we were made in the image of God. And God wrote the Ten Commandments and handed them to who? Moses. So you know God could write. And we can write for the same reason. And if there was nobody there to teach you to write, then you would sooner or later invent it. In the same way as we know that human beings will invent speech even if nobody tells them anything. It's true. See the long lifespans between Adam and Noah? Look, let's be honest. Even you could be a genius if you had 900 years to learn from your mistakes. 
Isn't that true? I mean, 200 years of burnt sponge cakes, you'd get it right. Hmm. But after the flood, look. You see, one of our arrogant problems is we live way past Moses and we think our life is normal. We think what's around us, the thorns, the thistles, the bindi eyes, the clever men, the computers, etc., are all part of progress. But they're not. We didn't even need those in the beginning. Did we need to build boats to save all the animals in the beginning? No. So did we need weapons to kill each other? No. Did we need weapons to kill the animals? No, because even the broccoli tasted good. You see, Nimrod, Noah's great-great-grandson, was a mighty warrior in the eyes of the Lord. Do you realise he's the only man in the whole of history to get that? I mean, I'm not sure it's a commendation, but it's certainly a comment on this man. Uh, You know, they had that recent Marvel comic um, festival in Brisbane recently with all of these big grand heroes, you know. Nimrod was way above them. Or and if you think about Nimrod... He's actually in many records in the ancient Middle East. There's still a town named after him. He's there. He was such a spectacular guy. Whether he was big and bold, I don't know. But he certainly was a mighty hunter in the eyes of the Lord. And all the records we have tell us Nimrod not only could catch animals, he became the first catcher of men. He established slavery. What a record, hey? In fact, he's a deceitful man because don't the USA name their sneaky spyware Nimrod? Yes, they do. Oh, it's amazing the evidence for these characters and their character shows up even in history. And by the time you get to Babel, the people of Babel, led by Nimrod it seems, started to build a tower reaching so they could get to heaven their own way. Okay, question. Why are they trying to get to heaven their own way? Answer, because Adam and Eve had a child made in their image. The problem with Adam was sin. The problem with Nimrod was sin. Noah was saying, guys, guys, do it God's way. Come, look, judgment is coming. God has every right to judge because he is the creator. He owns the planet. We've sinned against him. The only thing we need to consider is his standards and we've blown it. Look, the ark is here. You're free to come. And they said, no, we'll do it our way. I mean, this is less than several centuries after the flood. Noah is still alive. How do you think he felt? These are his grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Some of you parents, what are your grandkids like? You're getting a bit of understanding? Noah had the same heartache you've got because every generation is born in the image of Adam. It's not their heritage from Judith. The problem is their heritage all the way back to Adam. And they all must choose to serve the God of their fathers or to serve the devil who leads you astray from him. God's comment at man's ability at Babel, they're all united with one language, nothing they plan will be impossible for them. Oh, this is well known, by the way. Have you bought your computer program called Babel? Yeah. They know what they're doing because their logic is simple. Hey, if we can work with the Russians, we can get our technology further ahead. What if we work with the Russians and the Chinese? To do that, we need to communicate. What if we work with the Russians, the Chinese, the Afghanistans, and what if we make a one world? Yeah, that's what those programs are designed. Because isn't it true Bill Gates' senior executives still are atheistic, supporting human? Yeah, they are. They know exactly what they're doing, and you see God gives you the clue. Listen, these people, look what they're doing. Now they speak one language. Nothing they plan will be impossible to them. Euthanasia in one easy packet. How about we take kids and we genetically give them bigger brains? In fact, why don't we remove their personality so all they are is brains? Yep, that's where it's going to. We don't need the kid, we just need the brain. And we're going to hook him up and we're going to program him. Yep, that's the research that's out there at the moment. Nothing they plan will be impossible for them. Do you realise what a backhanded compliment that is? It's true because we were first made in the image of God. Then we have that image of Adam, the sinful image. But the talent and the superb abilities are still there, albeit afflicted by the decline. 
Isn't it true that some of you are not as bright as your brother? Yeah, it's true. Isn't it true that some of you are actually not anywhere near as bright as your cousin? And isn't it true that some people, they don't seem to need to learn at all? You know, I have one grandson, and uh, he and I get along really well because his mum always puts me in the car, him in the car with me, and his first question would be, Hey, Grandpa, how do you think we can solve the problem of getting a ramjet system to function in this percentage of atmosphere? And he was 12. Come on, some of you don't even know what a ramjet is. And as we discuss the logarithmic implications of all of that, um, some people don't need to learn much at all. It seems to come naturally. But others of us have lost it. Yeah. Okay. What was the rebellion? Was there any excuse for this rebellion? Noah was still alive. What was God's judgment? Do you realize God's judgment is why the Aborigines don't speak the same language as you? Do you realize God's judgment is why the Chinese think differently than you do? Do you realize God's judgment was the fact that we find it really hard to get along with each other? Because part of God's judgment was we're going to stop them doing corporate evil as best we can. Have you noticed one thing? Um, The old poet said, God made the country, man made the city. It's really true. And in the city, come on, let's be honest, would you put more policemen in the little country town or more policemen in in the city? Because where people all call, call, you know, where they congeal in, in a mass, if you want to call it that, that's where evil conglomerates. God judges the people of Babel by giving many new languages. And you and I need to realize there's plenty of evidence for that. That's why we're inventing programs like Babel. That's why when missionaries go to the mission field, they have to translate the Bible into their language. Otherwise, you can't even share the good news of Jesus. Okay, ponder that one. How did this affect mankind's knowledge? You know, I thought the people who uh, dated that uh, cave system over there in Western Australia a few few weeks ago and said, the Aborigines have been here 60,000 years. I thought, you really know how to insult Aborigines. Because if you've been pecking things with stone axes for 60,000 years, you don't got much up there. Because that's what they just said. They are stuck in the Stone Age. And, well, what can you do with them? How did we go from skyscrapers to Stone Age? Think about it. After Babel, city builders and farmers became hunter-gatherers and cavemen. Ponder it this way. Nimrod, a brilliant hunter and organiser. His name is in many ancient documents as a leader, as a coordinator. He's going to build a tower. Nobody's ever built a tower before. You ever realise that? So he organises things. It's made of brick. They use bitumen for mortar, so they had technology. They've got to shape the bricks. They've got to build a plan. And I'm pretty sure in the year or two they were spending on doing this, somebody had to grow the wheat, somebody had to grind the bread, somebody had to provide new clothes, and all of a sudden you have an industrial city being set up to do this. Some of you become very good at colouring things. You know, come on, we're going to pay you this many dinars per week if you'll put this colour on that. Reputation is that it was the colours of the rainbow. Don't be surprised the gay pride people have borrowed the rainbow too. It seems the Tower of Babel was going to be seven levels with seven colours of the rainbow. Hmm, turning God's symbols against the truth. And so people become divided in labour, just like you are today, correct? Yep. Um, We know there's at least 70 major family groups. If you don't believe me, go to Genesis and count them. Oh, you didn't know you can do things like that. Ah, now they're divided up. All of a sudden, you speak something different from your next door neighbor. You go out to say good morning, and you talk to that guy, he says, you say, idiots, what's wrong with them? And they're saying, and you can translate that with not much trouble. But all of a sudden, as you can't get along anymore, you're a, your knowledge fund diminishes. You can only grow wheat. What are you going to do now? Well, that's fine. You can keep growing wheat. You can live off wheat. But what about the painter? He's never grown a grain of anything in his life. All of a sudden, he's in trouble. The brick builder, he's never hunted an animal. All of a sudden, your knowledge is divided. And as Job writes, there are even cavemen in the Bible. 
These are the people who are driven forth from among men. They cried after them as after a thief, and they went and they dwelt in the clefts of the valley, in the caves of the earth, and in the rocks. Among the bushes they brayed, under the nettles they were gathered together. They were the children of fools. Yes, children of base men. They were viler than the earth. I don't know if any of your ancestors have lived in caves, but one of our photographers, not Steve who's here today, but one of our other photographers, when I was in England, I looked up his family history. And it's fascinating because there's even a cave you can go to where his ancestors lived in that cave. And do you know how they lived? They would rob all the stagecoaches, but they weren't after the money because they wouldn't go into the towns and spend it. They wanted the bodies to eat. Yeah. Vile, base, out of society. You know, as Ken Ham has said, for many years a caveman is any man who lives in a cave. And there's lots of them. Job describes the young men who were banished from society. They gathered wild herbs and roots and they lived in caves. After the judgment on Sodom, Lot and his daughters lived in a cave. After the Puritans left England, you can still go along the caves of the Tennessee rivers and see where they first went and lived in caves. Not because they were on the way up, but because they were on the way down. That cave in Western Australia where they dug up those Aboriginal implements and then they dated them by lumofluorescence or whatever they called it, they weren't there because they were on their way up from the jungles. They were there because they left Babel and they travelled and as far as I can find from their own stories, well, just over the border. The Munanjali people say we left the middle of the world after much war and fighting and when we got here we discovered the spirits in the trees and we began to worship them. Oh, footnote from the mouth of the elder who told me that, we used to have metal but we lost the ability. You see steel in India where they provably came from. Uh, do, you, do you ever look at the weapons of the Aborigines? Can you think of one weapon they don't have? No bow and arrows. They ran too fast to get away from whoever was chasing them. They left everything behind. No wonder their technology is at the bottom. There's Christian cavemen. Even the Puritans became Christian cavemen. But in the book of Hebrews, others had the trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bronze and imprisonments, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves. Do you realise you might be that one day? Perhaps you better get a bit of practice, eh? Come on some of our field trips. Amazing. How did some societies get back out of the Stone Age? You know, I found it very interesting in my own case when the Romans came to Scotland. I've got no doubt about we left Babel at the same time as everybody else. Came up through Albania, went across into Europe, settled Germany, settled Scotland, settled Ireland. And yet when the Romans got to us, we didn't have any big towers. We didn't have any big cities. We lived out in the heath. So they called us heathens. Yeah, low technology. And we painted our faces blue and we ate them. That's how we got the bagpipes. Didn't you know that? I mean, the Romans bought the bagpipes and we stole them off and they didn't want them back after they heard us playing them. (laughs) It's true. Are you wondering how we got up out of the Stone Age? I'll tell you. The Christian missionaries turned up and they began to teach us about the one true God who hated our sin who had sent his son to die on the cross so that we might be forgiven and we could be. Hey, I'll tell you what. Oh, you want to know why that was good news to my people? Because once a year my people used to sacrifice a third of their children in order to get good crops next year. And the missionary said, you don't need to do this. The real God has sacrificed his only son. You don't need any more sacrifice. Can you see the appeal of that message? And the missionary said, stop chopping down those trees, stop worshipping those trees. They're not sacred, they're just ordinary trees. Boy, isn't that politically incorrect? Don't touch the sacred airs, rock Uluru. Rubbish. There's nothing sacred about Uluru. There's no serpent under it. Or aren't you brave enough to tell the Aborigines that and get them out of their... Oh, shoot, perhaps I better keep quiet, get this church into jail. Okay, why does this history matter? Because unless you know the real history of the world, unless you know the history of good to bad to worse, 
you can't communicate the need of man to have sin forgiven. You want to know what technology it is? Technology is simply our efforts to dig us up out of the hole that sin has dug us into. Did you catch the difference in size? We've gone that far. Oh, isn't it nice having air conditioning? In my little unit, I turned the heater on last night. But Adam didn't need it. I mean, if you're stark naked, don't think you need the heater on. And if you're stark naked in in a world that's not cold, you don't need any woolly clothes. And you don't need weed killer. Now, technology, our pride has got us that far, but look how far we have fallen. Do you realise what your message to Aborigines is? You want to know why you're in the Stone Age? Your ancestors hated God and rebelled against him, and look how far you have fallen. You want to know why you're living in caves in Western Australia? Because you left technology behind as you fled, and in your ignorance, you left God out of your knowledge, and God himself has handed you over to foolishness. You want to know why our politicians are promoting evolution and homosexuality? Because one justifies the other. God hates homosexuality. You do know that, don't you? He hates divorce. He hates evil. And he will judge. Can I encourage you? The real history of technology, the real devolution of man. You start the gospel from Genesis. You finish it in Revelation because... Have you seen the technological increase in the book of Revelation? I'm looking forward to when the heavenly council paves the streets with gold, aren't you? I mean, you'll wonder why you ever bothered to go after it when you walk all over the place. You see, the new heavens and the new earth, will there be any more thorns? Will you need weed killer? How about investing in stocks and shares so you can have enough for your retirement? No, you won't need any of those. Can I encourage you to come back tonight, bring your friends, bring your enemies... Ponder the question, why are the fossils out there? Have a look at the books and tapes and DVDs. Make sure your friends get the information that God's word is true from the beginning. But don't stop at the beginning. Make sure you go past Genesis 3 and right up to John 3 so that they might know Christ as their own Lord and Saviour. Pastor?